Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome to episode, I think, 69 of the Talking Hockey Podcast special episode. Going over, yeah, not just the number, but we also have Rachel back talking about the draft because the draft's coming up in a week and Ty, Eric, and Martin are here too. And let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to the Talking Hockey Podcast. It's your favorite. Producer Luke here to remind you to follow and subscribe on whatever streaming service you use. Leave a review on Apple. Visit our website, TalkingHockeyPodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram at TalkingHockey for daily content. Now, let's get into today's episode with your favorite group of guys, Luke, Eric, Ty, and Martin. Yeah, so uh, Rachel, thank you so much for uh, joining us. You are officially our most listened to, two, our top two most listened to episodes, I think. I think Luke's got something around 3,000 downloads for the draft, so we figured we had to have you back on and uh, you know break down this draft again. This draft, I think all of, I'm speaking for all of us when I say none of us know this draft at all compared to the uh, previous drafts anyways. I've paid absolutely zero attention to it so i'm going in as if you're teaching me about every single prospect in the top 32 i know that uh, you don't have you don't have something on every single one of those players so we'll skip along through uh elite prospects rankings anyways and go through the ones that you do have a lot of knowledge about and what you don't uh so first off before we actually since i said we'd plug your podcast and everything do you want to plug your uh Staff and Graph, or is it still called Staff and Graph? It's, um, it is, yeah, we, we kept first. the name. I'm happy to be on the what should be a very nice episode of the <laughs> Hockey Pod. Um, yeah, but you can find me on the Staff and Graph podcast, and I write for Elite Prospects Ringside as well. Yeah. Um, that's basically where I am right now. Um, other stuff maybe to be determined, um, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find us. We're pretty much like iTunes, Spotify, like all that, that fun awesome. stuff. So yeah. Okay. yeah. And we'll put it in the episode notes and everything like that as well. And uh, Rachel also promised she was going to be nice to tie this episode apparently. So that's Thank unfortunate for the listeners. She's going to try. She's going to try to not make fun of An Ty's ridiculous statement. Yeah. <laughs> An attempt will be made. Uh, so do you want to start with... Uh, Breaking down this draft just in general in context to other drafts first, I think that's the best way to kind of start start the ball rolling. Uh, obviously, everyone talks about it's a weak draft and, you know, the top, I think the consensus is there's not a large difference between the, you know, like five to 20 almost in the draft, it seems like. That's what I've heard from a couple other scouts. So you want to give us a kind of a full breakdown of that? Yeah, so... I think it's unfair to characterize it as a weak draft right now. Um, now, do I think that it could end up being a lot like the Ekblad draft? Yes, I do. But to say it's weak right now, I think, um, isn't totally fair because a lot of that hinges on the development of the players. And they've just had a year of that robbed at the most critical part of their development. So that's a little bit more difficult to say. Now, having said that, is there a bona fide superstar in this draft? 
I don't think so. I think the closest you'll get is Jesper Wallstead, uh, who's the goalie out of Sweden. I think he kind of comes closest to being like the star in the draft. Um, but you're going to get a lot of uh, complimentary contributing players. Like to me, Matthew Beneers, probably like in the mold of a second line center that can pretty much do everything. If you need offense, he can do offense. You need shutdown, he can do shutdown. You need a little bit of both, he can do a little bit of both. Think like Bo Horvat. Um, you've got Owen Power, who's a potential top pair defenseman. Brant Clark, potential top pair defenseman. Um, there's a ton of talent. And then you've got a guy like Kent Johnson, um, who's probably the most like out-and-out talented player in the draft. Um, but yeah, what I would say is there's there's no like real high end. There's not a Matthews, a McDavid, McKinnon. I mean, there really isn't even a Jack Hughes type in this draft. And so, like to me, the players in this draft are a tier below the Nico Heischer, Miro Haskinen draft. Mm-hmm. So uh, the so you compared it originally to the 2014 draft. Are you comparing it in the sense that like there in the top couple guys there wasn't initially predicted to be like an out and out like superstar type player until Drysaitel obviously completely blew up. But that that is that where you're comparing it to because like even the 2014 yes. draft like it's it's a fairly that first round was a fairly deep draft overall. Like even the you know Josh Hosang, Adrian Kempe, David Pasternak all in the bottom five or six picks of that draft, right? Yeah, so if you look at that, like, really outside of, like, Dreisaitl and Pasternak, like, uh, when I'm talking, like, superstar franchise players, right, you're not building a franchise around Adrian Kempe. You're not even going to build one around David Pasternak because he's a winger, right? You can have the debate about Leon Dreisaitl, like, he's... If he plays on the wing, you're not building your team around him. If he plays up the middle, then yes, you can build your team around him. But when I talk about like a franchise cornerstone, you look at the next two drafts, Shane Wright in next year's draft, and then the year after, you have Connor Bedard and Matvey Mitchkov. Those are cornerstone pieces. I think Connor Bedard will be the guy that eventually takes the mantle from Connor McDavid in the same way that McDavid has taken it from Crosby now. I think Bedard has the potential to be that guy and like there is nobody in this draft that is in like to me if Shane Wright was in this draft I would take him first year younger I mean I would even consider Bedard first quite frankly so you like, think I, Bedard's ahead of Shane Wright I do yep yep is because it, do you to think me, it's a notable Connor difference Bedard, pardon no no continue sorry to me Connor Bedard has the superstar like when we talk about like mcdavid he has that kind of potential whereas when i think about shane wright i think about patrice bergeron i think like very high-end number one center probably gonna win a couple selkies like i mean anybody would take patrice bergeron on their team like i don't think that could be debated but given the choice between patrice bergeron and Connor mcdavid like i think you're gonna go with Connor mcdavid and so for me like we see once every probably seven or eight years, we see this generational talent, right? It was, we happened to get Crosby and Ovechkin at the same time, which is like ridiculous to think about. Um, And then you get McDavid and he's, I mean, he's shown he's in a class of his own. And now seven, eight years later, we're getting Connor Bedard, Matt Bay, Mitchkov. You really think think Shane writes that much better? Yo, Martin, what the heck? 
Martin, you're completely. Martin, yeah, Martin's you're frozen. so far I, I behind. Think Martin's, I think Martin's behind. <laughs> I'm yeah, actually wondering. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. no I, I meant to interrupt. I meant to interrupt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he always does so, that. Like, okay, so for me, like Shane Wright, if he was in the 2021 draft, would be first overall, and I like would not think twice about it. Like that's it. You run up to the stage, you take him, and off you go, Sayonara. Now it's kind of funny that Buffalo has managed to bungle that yeah. yeah um but to me yeah there's no there's no Shane Wright there's no Connor Bedard like there's nobody of that ilk in this draft it's really unfortunate for them because once they lose Jack Eichel too that's their only number one center and Shane Wright would have been a really really nice replacement <laughs> for uh, Jack Eichel yeah. unfortunately yeah so uh actually before we get into uh, the draft, you brought up an interesting qu- point about the generational players. So you said, you know, Crosby Ovechkin, then you went to uh, Connor McDavid, obviously, and then Bedard's going to be that next uh, guy seven years later, essentially eight years later. Uh, what do you think about generational players like, or would you consider guys like Malkin generational? Like, what? where do you draw the line on generational players? Is it really just the Crosby, is it only Crosby Ovechkin uh, McDavid and then Bedard, or do you think would you put any other kind of players into those categories? No, to me, generational is once in a generation. Like we're talking about when we speak about this ten-year segment, this was the best player. Now we got really, really lucky with Crosby and Ovechkin because Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game. Like that to me is not even a discussion anymore. Even like Gretzky has said it himself. Um, and then you've got what, Crosby, who is the most complete player. I mean, I think may, we may see in the next fifty years. Like he's, he's just that. So we were lucky to have those two players. And when you think about it, they are head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of consistency, in terms of just the the gravitational pull to them. Everything has always been Crosby Ovechkin, Crosby Ovechkin. When you think of McDavid right now. Like, this whole thing with, like, McKinnon and Matthews, like, this is, it's stupid. It's McDavid, and that's the end. Like, there's no discussion. It's, it's, that's it. And yeah, think I about agree. how long it took McDavid Although to I think Ty Crosby. Can we start the argument early? Ty, no, make no, no, your no, argument. no, 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 no. I have no <laughs> argument here. We're talking about the draft. I'm not talking about the Leafs again. So I'm not going like, to say anything. Oh my God. I mean, I think when I talk about generation, I talk about like, so when I, let's say I'm working in hockey like 50 years from now, right? So, or like 40 years from now and I'm in my 60s. When I think back about when I was in my 20s, Who's the player I'm going to talk about? I'm probably, it's probably McDavid, right? And so I think the player in our, like in our thirties that we'll talk about, I think is going to be Bedard or Mitchkoff. It could be both. Um, But it's going to take a ton to usurp McDavid because he just continues to get better, which is like legitimately alarming to think about. Um, But he's only 24. So there's at least another five years that he's the best player in the league. Like at least, yeah, and so at minimum, that's probably yeah, that's yeah. absolutely ridiculous to think about. So for me, my bar for generational is is very high. Like I don't consider Matthews a generational talent. Do you consider him a generational goal scorer? In the ilk, the you know Ovechkin was the previous generation's greatest goal scorer. Would you? He would has you to put score him in the playoffs for that to be 
merited. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Okay. I can respect that answer. And, and you uh, need one... to score 50 consistently to even be within the same d- breath as yeah. Oh, for sure. He has to continue to do this for another decade. Like, you know, he's on pace. I think he's on pace right now for the average of 47 goals per season, I think it was, over the last three seasons. Right, and like you think about it, like Ovechkin scored sixty five one year, like yeah, that is absurd. And so for me, like Matthews, you've got to score, like you need to win probably four Rocket trophies to be in the conversation with Ovechkin. Yeah, do you think uh, Stamkos would have been there with Ovechkin if he never kind of had all those consistent injuries in his early to mid twenties? I don't. I think Ovechkin's just that special. Um, I've, I don't know when the next time we'll see somebody that's like Ovechkin ever again, when you consider raw power, physicality, durability, like Matthews isn't as durable as Ovechkin and Ovechkin has had almost a 15 year career now. So, I mean, well, I think that's, that's his thing, right? Like it, he, I don't think he'd be anywhere near where he is right now if he was getting injured as much as Matthews think has, about how he I think plays he only had too, one, right? right? And we just don't see yeah. that anymore. We don't see guys that can literally that are bowling balls that can Fantasy run you over monster. but also just... <laughs> they will score 50 goals like we just don't yeah. see that anymore it's yeah, rare no... and that's yeah. why Ovechkin is just so special 100% and last question on generational talents do you think there is has been any defenseman over the last decade that you'd consider in generational like a generational defenseman uh I don't think anyone's been consistently good enough I think maybe Kale McCarr has that potential. Uh, but for mm-hmm. me, like Eric Carlson was fantastic, but he was only really fantastic for like five years. That's not a generation. Like think yeah, about, like has six, there been a defenseman years, yeah. that's consistently been at the top the way Crosby has? I think the no, closest no, you no. come is Duncan Keith. And, but his, his started a little bit before Crosby and ended a little bit before Crosby. Like mm-hmm. to me, that's the closest you come. And I don't even consider that to be the case. Like I, <laughs> It's just, it's not the same. Yeah, no, I can, I can agree with that for sure. Okay, so now, now that I took up 15 minutes of our time on, the, on that, you want to start off with who you think is the best player in this draft, who should be going uh, first overall? Do you agree with the elite prospects ranking? Do you have your own kind of guy that um, you prefer? And now we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now we'll get back into the show. Your Buffalo, um, you're picking. I'm Buffalo and I'm picking. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> um, to me, there's not really a, a clear cut situation. I would have to interview the players because I think it actually could come down to that. Who you think is the best fit in your dressing room. Um, to me, I have Brant Clark ahead of Owen Power. So he's not in the discussion for me, even though I think he gets taken first. The players that are are in my discussion for number one overall are uh, Matthew Beneers, uh, William Eklund, um, and I actually have Jesper Wallstead in that conversation as well. For, um, for the top I three. Think, pardon? 
in for the top three you said right yeah like if i'm like i pretty much agree with the elite prospects rankings um mm-hmm. i think power will go first um uh, but for me if i'm if i'm buffalo i seriously consider eckland and Baneers at one and if and, I, and, and why... if i'm taking a defenseman i'm taking brand mm-hmm. clark so why is so why is that for let's start off with the two defensemen then we'll get to the forwards why Brant Clark over Owen Power what what's your take on that I think Brant Clark's ceiling is higher um he is probably if not the smartest one of the smartest defensemen in the draft and that we've seen time and time again that translates so well um the knock on him and is is his skating and in my master's research and just like being around hockey for so long I have it's like pretty much very obvious to me now that skating is the most fixable trait. Um, I can't, it's, it's really hard to fix your hockey sense. It like, that's, that's asking a lot. Um, And I, to me, Owen power is, I don't like saying Victor Hedman because I don't think he's anywhere near that. Like to me, Owen power, if, if he hits his absolute ceiling is a number two defenseman. On a good team. Okay. Like he yeah. is not Victor Hedman. Is he mm-hmm. six foot six? And so is Victor Hedman? Yes. Is he a smooth <laughs> skater? And so is Victor Hedman? Yes. Does he mm-hmm. make really poor decisions sometimes? Yes. And I, mm, that just doesn't sit right with me. So for me, Brant Clark, his decision making is so much better. His ability to run a power play is better. Uh, his shot, in my mind, is better. And so uh, he's also right handed which is whether we like it or not, that is important. And so for me, you hire Barb Underhill or Don Braid to, to work with his skating. I, I don't really see how he doesn't turn into a top pair defenseman. Like it's his path Mm -hmm. is so much easier than others. So since, since we're, uh, since we're talking about first overall and who Buffalo is going to take, we all have witnessed Buffalo's inability to develop prospects. What they've kind of done with Darlene over the last couple of years has been, uh, Ty, Ty's had a lot of yeah, really yeah. great rants yeah. on the podcast about what they've done with Darlene. I've heard them. We... You've been right. You've been right, Ty. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> what? Rachel. Wow. <laughs> we didn't invite you here to be that, nice to Ty. That means so much to me. Yeah, I've never been right before, so it's good to hear that. Um, so so do, given, given all of that, do is Buffalo drafting drafting a defenseman with the first overall pick a great idea? Do they go for a forward that might be more developed, like Eklund or Beignets, like you said? Like, what what's your thought process around there? If I'm who Buffalo, should Buffalo like, fans want them to pick? Yeah. If I'm Buffalo, you don't get to pick based on position. You just need talent because <laughs> right now your team sucks. Like, <laughs> like there is it's not a discussion. Your team is. Can I swear? Yes, please. Yeah, your team is time, fucking man. terrible. Your development <laughs> system is fucking terrible. Your drafting has been terrible. All of it is bad. Like last year, they got myopic on Jack Quinn and left Marco Rossi there for Minnesota. Oh, God. And yes, I thought John Brackett that. was going to like pull a hamstring trying to get Marco <laughs> Rossi. Like, holy moly. And they ran and up so, there in Minnesota. <laughs> pretty much. Like, so if I'm, if I'm Buffalo, like, I'm taking the best player available. So whoever I believe is the best player available is who I'm taking. I think so the question if, is more, who are they mo- least likely to screw up? 
That that's because like Jack Eichel, you can't screw up Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel came in the league and he was fine, right? Darlene, you know, they they haven't completely screwed him up. He's still got a lot of promise. He's still put up like, you know, 40, 50 point seasons. But the defensive side of his game has been atrocious, highlight reel atrocious on a nightly basis. So who do you think can they, they will screw up the least? Matt Beneers. Okay. That guy is a 200-foot hockey player. He's so mature in his game. Uh, To me, I think every single prospect in this draft needs to go back to where they came from for at least another year. But the guy who's closest to being NHL-ready is Beneers, and I don't think it's close at all. Like To me, if you put him on the right uh, atmosphere, like if Boston happened to be picking first and drafted him, you could put Beneers in the NHL and play him on your second line under Bergeron kind of thing. Or if the Leafs drafted him, you could play him on your third line under Matthews and Tavares. Like, but he cannot go to Buffalo and play on the top line. Like, He's not ready for that yet because he's not ready for the matchups. That's not what he's going to be um, down the line. Like, That's just not it. Like, Even Vancouver, if Vancouver were to take him, like you, he could play in the NHL because he would be playing behind Pedersen and Horvat right. for that matter. And so it's one of those things where situationally he, like, he's definitely the most NHL ready. He's definitely the least likely to get screwed up. He's already had a year at Michigan. He's probably going to have another year. And so, um, to me, if you're thinking about who's not going to get screwed up, it's Beneers all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, Ty, were you about? Oh to no, say I was just going to. I mean, I, I know you don't like this when I talk about the world juniors all the time, but really that's the only (laughs) time I got to watch these guys very much. Right. But he was on uh, USA at the world juniors this year. And I thought he was one of their best players and their most consistent players as, you know, underager. Um, So, I mean, playing with all these other guys who were already drafted basically. So I I agree with you there. You're totally right. And he was at the USA world championship team and, or uh, in Latvia this year. And so like, you don't just make that team by accident. Like, first of all, okay, that team was not great, um, like, at all. And he started somehow as a 13th forward, even though I would argue he was, like, in their top three in terms of talent, if you looked at that roster. Um, and then as the tournament went on, you could see, like, hey, this guy belongs. Like, and he's holding his own with NHL players. And not only just holding his own, but he looks good. And so, um yeah, I'm I'm not surprised he looked great at the World Juniors. I'm I'm not surprised he looked good at the World Championships and I absolutely won't be surprised when he looks good in the NHL. So, he's clearly your favorite forward in the draft and I'm guessing this your second favorite is Eklund. Uh he's broken like a couple records or approached a couple records in in uh Sweden, is it right? So, what do you think about him and his game and you mentioned a lot earlier, you know, Wallstead is the only superstar that you see coming out of this draft. And it seems like there are a couple people anyways, a couple scouts that are super high on Eklund and think he can be a star in the NHL. So what's your kind of take on him and where do you project him uh, long term? I mean, he's so dynamic outside of Kent Johnson, um, who is, like I said, the most skilled player in this draft for my money. Like Eklund is dynamic. He plays at a high pace. He's got good habits. He makes right plays he's manipulative he deceives with his like the way he fakes guys out and the way he hesitates he can freeze guys he can freeze goalies um he scans the ice really well so he's consistently anticipating at a higher level than everybody else um in terms of like 
tight areas, which in the NHL is a huge thing. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's so agile. Like he changes direction. He can cut back. He's got a really good feel for pressure. Um, and he, the way he absorbs contact, he's able to kind of like slip off it and, and immediately get going the other way. And so because he's like unafraid of that contact and he's, he's, he likes to play in the middle of the ice and he attacks like to me, that is awesome to watch. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. And if anything, he overcommits defensively, which I almost <laughs> never say about a young player. But like, yeah, there are some times where I'm like, kid. you don't need to be that defensive. Like, you mm-hmm. can chill a little bit. And so I would, but I would way rather have to tame a tiger no. when it comes to that kind of stuff. And so. I think overall, uh, Eklund's got as high a potential as anyone to be a top three forward in this draft. Like, I think he very easily could end up as a top line winger. Um, and I think even at his low point, he's probably a second line winger. And so, um, so you don't think he's going to be a center in the that. NHL? I don't know. No. And, and why, what about, what about him doesn't scream a center material to you? I, there are some of his reads in the defensive zone that I don't love. And I can't quite put my finger on whether that's his ability to read the game because offensively it's elite. Um, But defensively there is some to be desired there. And also there's not a lot of high end dynamic skill centers that actually stick as centers in the NHL. Like a lot of of the high end forwards end up getting moved. And when you think about it, right. And so it's one of those things like Steven Stamkos. I, mean, I don't I don't think it could be argued that he's a fantastic player. He was a center when he was drafted and he played mm-hmm. center for a long period of time and now he's a winger. Well, if Steven Stamkos isn't a center, then I don't know that anybody outside of Baneers and maybe McTavish is a center in this draft. But like it's one of those things where if you want the best out of Eklund, I think you're going to get it if he plays on the wing. Because then it removes some of that responsibility on defense, and he could solely focus on being that dynamic offensive threat. Like, think Mitch Marner. He played center mm-hmm. in London. I think it would cause many Lee fans heart palpitations if he were to play <laughs> center for the Leafs. Yes. Actually, it will give me heart palpitations if he plays anything with the Leafs ever again, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that you are alone in that. That My, my podcast co-host would agree. <laughs> that seems to be a common, uh, commonly held idea between Leafs One second, Mars has something day. to say he's frozen, so um, we'll let him speak, so. <laughs> I can't can raise my hand, hand, right? Yeah, he can't. Yeah, just, can't just, just interrupt. <laughs> Just interrupt. Man, last time I interrupted, it was literally in the middle of someone speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm wondering, um, this Dylan Gunther guy, Gunther, is it Gunther? Yes. Gunther? You got it the first Um, time, Dylan Gunther. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, He's been like flying up draft rankings, probably because he's one of the only Canadian kids playing in a Canadian league so they can evaluate him. Um, do you see him as a fly up? Like, should he be way up in seven on elite prospects or is he going like, was he, um, is he just a product of being the only one we can see doing really well? 
<laughs> no, I think I think he absolutely deserves to be in the top ten. That I have no arguments about. I see that people have him at like two and three, and I'm like, whoa, you need to yeah. slow down a lot. <laughs> slow your roll. Just breathe. Breathe. Because no. Um, Gunther to me is sort of a seven to ten pick. Um, probably one of the best shots in the draft. Um, I mean, he can shoot it so many different ways, whether it's off the outside foot, two touch wrist shots, uh, one timers shooting off the pass. Um, he plays, he could play the bumper on the power play, drives the net. Well, he's got good hands at the net front and he's not afraid to engage with D there. So there's a net front scoring element to that too, which we rarely see. Um, he keeps pucks offensively. He uses his options. Like he's very good offensively. There's no doubt about that, and I think he he will be a goal scorer at the NHL level. But holy lord, he needs a facilitator. If he doesn't have someone that can get him the puck, he is not scoring. So <laughs> when I think, like, people say, oh, he's going to go to Anaheim. And I understand why people say that, because uh, Trevor Zegras exists, I'm and that's really all Trevor Zegras yeah. does. And so I could see that. I personally would rather have Eklund. Um... Mm. Or if I'm Anaheim, I take a defenseman and then develop them into a superstar and then trade yep. them because Anaheim, <laughs> by my research, has been the best at developing defensemen and, like, by a wide margin. Um, but to me, like, Dylan Gunther, he's going to score goals as long as he's got someone that can pass to him. He does. He's not really good at creating on his own, and that's why I worry that the goal scoring is not as translatable as everyone thinks. Um and it's it's kind of one of those things where, like, if you look at it, one of the great examples is in London, uh, Christian Dvorak, Mitch Marner, and Matthew Kachuk played on a line. And Mitch Marner did a lot of the facilitation. Everyone's like, oh, look at Christian Dvorak. He's just like this fantastic scorer and this, that, and the other. And I'm sitting there going, um, yeah, because he's got one of the best passers in the OHL, like, passing the puck lo and behold he goes to arizona there's literally no one to pass him the puck and his scoring's pretty much dried up so i think with gunther not to the same degree but um he's super north south there's not a lot of creativity there and so he needs to play with someone that can get him the puck and i mean that's your out and out winger in in the uh in the draft for sure so you um, before we like move on to the other prospects, you mentioned Anaheim obviously is one of the best teams when it comes to developing defensemen. Are there like one or two others that are at the top with them <clears throat> that you are allowed to name? Um, there is literally no one close. Like okay, no, yeah, it's like Anaheim, and then like probably ten steps before the next team. Like Anaheim, <laughs> would you like? I can name them. Like, it's ridiculous. You think of, like, Hampus Lindholm, Cam Fowler, Josh Manson, um, Shea Theodore, Sammy Votnin, like, Jamie Dries. Like, it's just, like, the list is on and on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, do you think that's a drafting so, and, and thing, we, or do you think that's a development thing? Well, don't, or is it both? I didn't even mention Shea Theodore, and they, like, yeah. they just, like, randomly traded him. Like, it's... <laughs> literally nuts i i think it's more a development thing than it is a draft thing they it's clear they can identify talent but there have been times where they've drafted a player where i'm like mm, i don't know about that and then like boom it's it's a nhl player and i'm like what what is going on 
So to me, kind of like the the Detroit of like maybe 10 years ago where it's like, oh, they have this fifth round pick. Well, congratulations to him on a successful NHL career because that's what he's going to develop into. Anaheim, basically, if you're a defenseman, like you have a greater than 50% chance of making the NHL. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. The, the amount of like defensemen they've just traded. There's even guys that didn't really quite make it, but looked like they're going to make it. Uh, that trade with Buffalo. Uh, who they get? Who who was it? Do you, Ty, do you remember? You're always good Montour. With is that who you're talking about? Oh, there's Montour. Oh yeah, Brandon Montour. Montour. There's Montour. Yeah. There's yeah. He uh, looked good in Anaheim and then went yeah. to Buffalo and like cratered. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so there you go. Okay, so moving on from that. Now that was kind of interesting. I just wanted to find out a little bit more about that. So we've got we've kind of broken down the top four. Uh, we'll go a little bit quicker through the rest of them now since we're already halfway through. Uh, Mason McTavish, give us a breakdown on him. I, I've actually, to be on to be one hundred percent honest, it's the first time I've ever even read his name. So <laughs> I know nothing. Um, he's probably he's going to be your your second line center. Like he's a second line center type. Uh, hell of a shot. Um, he's one of those guys like he is not enjoyable to play against at all. Like an absolute menace. His improvement curve has been steep. Um, and so for me, I see a ton of potential there. I really do think he tops out as, as that second line center um, that can score, that can produce. Um, and that is physical on the puck. And so for me, um, any team that gets Mason McTavish is going to be really lucky to have him. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's got a pretty far range from, all the like obviously elite prospects consolidates all the different rankings uh right here and he's yep. going as far down as almost 20 and as high as <laughs> i think five what so, yeah or 17 okay, well, sorry uh, not 20 <laughs> that i was gonna say anything lower than like 11 <clears throat> is unacceptable to me so i mean that's kind of how i see it i think his stock has risen in, and rightfully so like every viewing mm-hmm. i've had of him um even after the pandemic, like even at the U18s, like I thought he was absolutely fantastic. So what do you think his biggest weaknesses are? Oh, Mason McTavish. Um, you know what? I think with McTavish, um, his skating is a little bit of a problem. He's, he's a little bit upright and he's got an inconsistency about how he uses his hips and knees. But like I said, skating it's a, it's a fixable thing. The big concern for me is he's a problem solver, not a planner. And so I have concerns about his ability to read the game. And like, I mean, we kind of touched on that earlier. That That is a problem for me. Um, and he, he, like, he doesn't really create a ton. And that kind of goes with the hockey sense. Um, so that those would be my concerns. Okay. <clears throat> so at number six, we have Wallstedt. I think, largely speaking, everybody's known about him for like at least two years now. Everyone's been hyping him up as like the next Lundqvist, like you know, lots. Oh of hype my god! Okay, kid. everybody, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> that that's all I've heard for the last. Like everyone's been comparing him to him. So, uh, give us a little bit of breakdown on him. You mentioned you'd probably even consider him in the top three. So that's some very yeah. high praise for a goalie. Especially since, you know, the common wisdom is, or for most people anyways, don't draft a goalie in the first round in general. And you're saying, you know, top three. Which is funny because if you go back to Andre Vasilevsky's draft, like, would you not take him, like, in the top five? You definitely would. 100% you would. (laughs) Right? No doubt about that. That's all 50-50 hindsight, though. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so it goes to show, like, if you do the right development, you get the right guy, like, 
is absolutely worth taking in the top five because I think a lot of teams would like mulligan on that one. Um, but for me, Jesper Wallstead, he's so calm in the net. He's concise in his movements. Um, it just feels like he's never out of control. And with a young goaltender, that happens quite a bit. Um, it, he, You know what? There's going to be hiccups like he's a young kid. Uh, so to me, like it is what it is. Um, but like he, he cuts the angles well. He's he challenges well. Lateral movement is fantastic. Uh, great stick work. So for me, um, in the in the times that I've seen him play, I, I've been impressed pretty much every single time. I don't really Do you, like. The thing is, yeah. like, I don't know about weaknesses and stuff because I haven't seen him play like any bad games. So. <laughs> Yeah. That's I don't think it's it, I don't think it's fair for me to go off of somebody else's scouting reports. Um, but yeah, like to me, Wallstead, um, all the potential in the world to be the next Swedish star goaltender. What do you think about his timeline? Like, do you think it's kind of similar to Vasilevsky? A couple years and then, you know, two. I think what he had three years outside after getting drafted, and then was a was in the NHL. If I remember, yeah. Correctly. So he did. I Ty, believe it was two in Russia, one in the AHL, and then one in yeah. the NHL. Um, so, I think so Wallstead could be similar. So you think Wallstead could go like top three? And if so, do you think Seattle should be the one, team to take him? Would that be That's uh, what That was what smart? I was going to suggest too. That, would yeah. that be – considering the forwards, none are like game changers. Like if to Wallstead me, if is I, a game changer, like – Yeah, I get what you're saying. Franchise goalie, yeah. <laughs> I get what you're saying, but there's so many really good goalies that are available in the expansion draft that that's not the route that I would take. I was, yeah. um, if, if I'm Seattle, I basically take, like, I probably take a defenseman, but at the same time, whoever Seattle believes is the best player available, like, I know the people in the Seattle front office, they're going to take who they think is the best player available. There's none of this, we're drafting for position nonsense in Seattle. That doesn't happen there. Um, and so whoever, see if Seattle thinks Wallstead's the guy... They're gonna take Wallstead, but otherwise, I I don't see them taking Wallstead. I think I think they're likely to take a defenseman, um, unless I mean, if I could see them taking Eklund or Paneers, I it's kind of it's really up in the air with Seattle. It it depends, but what I do know is they're gonna have their draft board, and whoever they have at the top is who they are going to take. They're not gonna waver. Did you say at the start that uh, Wallstad could be the like best player at the end of this draft? Did we not? Start I do off think with like that? in ten years we could so, we could look so if back. Kra- if, yeah, if the Kraken, because I don't I don't know if they're a hundred like what they're trying to do, but if he's really good in three years, that could line up perfectly with their timeline. If they're thinking similar to you, you get a. And and the, the the luxury with the Kraken is they don't. There's no expectations. There's no expectation to be sick right. this year or next year. And if they are sick in the third year because Wallstad's sick, could be game changer. Yeah, interesting I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if, I have no idea. Listen, if Seattle if Seattle <laughs> thinks the way I do, then they may take him. I I don't know. All I'm saying is whoever Seattle has ranked, that's who they're taking. If they have Wallstead yeah, there, yeah, they'll take sure. Wallstead. If they have whoever – like, sure. I'm not going to sit here and say – like, if if I were Seattle, depending on on how I I value different things, then yeah, Wallstead might be the guy. 
Um, but I'm certainly not going to yeah, bank just, on Seattle. Just depends how how much you you're willing to gamble, basically. Yeah. Right. It is a gamble. <clears throat> I don't yeah. see like if you look at the top five: Buffalo, Seattle, Anaheim, New Jersey, Columbus. All of those guys have goalies in their system. So if you know, as we've talked about plenty of times, a lot of NHL teams based it off the position. It looks like Detroit's kind of the only one at the top there without a, uh, a franchise goalie in the system right now. So it looks, no, Detroit. I could see them drafting him. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I don't, there. I don't know if Wallstead gets past Detroit. Yeah. I, I would, unless Eklund, if Eklund somehow is there, then I think he, they'll take Eklund. He but wouldn't get I, past otherwise... San Jose either. Oh, oh yeah, no. Probably oh not. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've had their fun with Dubnik and Martin Jones all on the same team. <laughs> Matching me. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, since we're on the topic of goalies and the next goalie in the draft, he falls down all the way to 22 on Elite Prospects rankings. Uh, what do you think of him timeline-wise? Do you think he's even close to Wallstead? What are your thoughts around him? Yeah, so Sebastian Kosa, um, this is small sample size for me. I was not the most comfortable with where we had him ranked on the board. Um, mm-hmm. I know Kat Silverman, who does a lot of the goalie stuff at Elite Prospects, doesn't even have him as the number one WHL goalie on her board, so that'll tell you about that. <laughs> I don't know who she has. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know a ton about Kosa. I know he's enormous. I know he put up really big numbers, and that's appealing to scouts. Um, yeah. But for me, it's I have issues making dra- like first round goalie draft decisions based on like 20 games. <laughs> like yeah, I have yeah. massive issues games. with that. Yeah. So yeah, to that's- me, that's a total no go uh, in the top 25 probably. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Okay, so after six, we have Dylan Gunther. I think we talked a little bit about him, so we don't have to go through uh, him again. At number I eight say the next, nine. The, the next yep. guy that I really know a ton about is probably Kent Johnson. Okay, so let's let's do Kent Johnson then. We'll fit up uh, for, I don't even know how to pronounce these guys' names. Simon Edvinson and Fabian Lysel are eight and nine. Rachel, I guess you don't cover Sweden too much, so... Uh, Probably don't know a whole ton about them. We'll get someone else on who uh, who might know those guys. Yeah, a bit you more, might want to so. get someone who watches a lot of Sweden to tell you about yeah. them. I know Lysel yeah. is is dynamic and fast and creative and makes eyeballs pop, but he also makes like some absolutely horrendous decisions with the puck. So that's probably I don't think he'll go in the top ten. Um, Kent Johnson, on the other hand, oh man, I had him as high as one at one point this year. I freaking love Kent Johnson. Um, Doesn't seem like most other rankings agree with you or even kind of even close to you on that because, you know, again, he's as low as 15 on some of these rankings. On Oh, well, believe me, I saw and, and or three. So I know no. one team that has Kent Johnson at two, like a team wow. that has Kent okay. Johnson at two. Um, Any hints? But this is, again, we talk, <laughs> no. This is, we talk about what you value. So if you value skill and high ceiling, Ken Johnson's going to be in your top two because highest ceiling in the draft by a wide margin, if you remove Wallstead, like in terms of skater, highest ceiling in the draft, highest skill level, like in terms of like puck skills, he does things that are absurd. Um, 
And so for me, like, I just think Ken Johnson, is there a lot to be developed? Yeah, but every player in this draft has warts. Every player has to be developed. But his ability to handle the puck, to manipulate, to create offense, his problem solving, um, his anticipation, his effort, like all of it is just incredible. I love it. Um, the 27 points the in 26 games, too, in University As of Michigan. As a true freshman. It, really impressed. That's really impressive. Yeah. Is yeah. it Colorado that has him in their top two? Because he played BCHL <laughs> and Colorado likes BCHL guys. <laughs> I don't know where Colorado has him, but I would not be shocked if Ken Johnson was in their top two or three based on the people that I know in Colorado. Because um, mm. I know they had, they I love believe BCHL they had McCarr players. at one. They had McCarr yeah. at one and Pedersen at two, I believe, in that year. Yeah, so they and uh, they not clearly got that one all. right. <laughs> yeah um ken johnson like skating is it's not great he's got his weight kind of locked between his two feet he's he's hunched over and he doesn't really have a ton of explosiveness but again that can be taught right um so for me he needs to develop a little bit more off off the puck um and and his skating but you can't teach the way that kid thinks the game like you just can't and the fact that he's got the hands and the passing ability to to kind of match that like that's scary um and so like god bless everyone in the nhl if his skating improves because if he falls below like eight and his skating improves significantly he's gonna make probably six or seven teams look really stupid so what do you think because this is always interesting it's like the the variety and the way this guy this kid's ranked right like you're clearly super high on him tons of praise but there's some what are some what do you think people are holding it against him is it just the skating is is it that is that why he's not in the top five or top seven for various various rankings that i'm seeing right here yeah i think his skating holds him back and i think a lot of people look at his play at michigan and go well he's not physical and so it's not going to stand up in the nhl and uh johnny gaudreau is not overly physical either and i think he's doing uh just fine um, so there's also that, uh, but to me, I, I think they think that the skating hinders him. I think that because he played with Beneers for a lot of the season, they think that, um, his success comes from Beneers, but he was good when Beneers was at the world juniors. So like, to me, that argument doesn't really hold up. Um, and so like we talk about entertaining, we talk about high skill, like that's where the game is. That's where it's going to continue to go. Hard to ignore a guy with probably the best set of hands in the draft. Like, that's to me, that's a pretty di- difficult thing to just be like, no, <laughs> yeah, we'll let I mean, that go, we'll kind of let, thing, right? Yeah. I think he he sounds uh, interesting for Seattle at number two. Then, if you're if they're looking oh, for the, yes. the star of the franchise, that's a that's kind of interesting. So um, you want to you want asses in seats? That's a guy that gets asses yeah. in seats. All right, I'm going to have to look, watch a little bit of him because uh, you've kind of sold me on him a little bit. Um, <laughs> so uh, out now outside the top 10, uh, we got Luke Hughes. So before we get to his breakdown, right? So it seems like the top four to five guys, Ben Yers, Eklund, Power, Clark, are kind of the clear top four, maybe throw Wallstead in, into that uh, tier as well. What's What's the second tier of players, do you think, that can go in any different range, do you think? Um, and then when does the Gunther, third tier begin? 
the third tier begins at 10. Uh, I believe it begins at actually like, like nine. Um, mm-hmm. So I would have, I would, if you move Edvinson and Lysel down, you move Johnson up to eight. I believe Lysel, Edvinson, Hughes, Sillinger, Shvetchkov, Eliason are the, is the next, and maybe Lucius is the next tier. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So let's get a nice breakdown of Luke Hughes, the uh, third Hughes brother. Yeah. Um, Apparently, according to ranking these rankings, the least talented Hughes brother. <laughs> I have Hughes at, I believe, 14 on my board. Um, the injury to me, um, he injured a tendon in his foot, and I did some research on it. That is the tendon that allows you to push and create explosiveness. Um, and his skating is the only elite skill that he has. And with an, an injury like this, they've seen it in football players. They really lose their ability to be agile. Uh, and if Luke Hughes is an agile, he's probably a bottom pairing defenseman. So that is a massive concern to me. Um, do we know how that's going to pan out? No. But the fact that that's even on the table, I don't know that you can be expending a top 10 or a top five pick on a guy that could potentially end up as a number six defenseman. Like that seems unwise. Had he not gotten injured, I would say, yeah, I'd consider him as a top 10 pick. The decision-making sometimes is not great there. He shows like spurts of it. Jack Hughes is the smartest of the Hughes brothers. I think Quinn Hughes um, is, he's definitely the best skater. Um, But to me, I think Luke is the biggest. (laughs) he's, He's the biggest. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just there's too much, there's there's concerns there for me. That's that's not a player that I'd be expending probably a top fifteen pick on. Interesting. Okay, so I'm definitely gonna create a clip out of that, broadcast it out to everyone, get you in trouble. No, nope, <laughs> you're definitely not gonna do that. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Completely. Obviously. Um. No. So at uh, number twelve, we got uh Cole Sillinger. Uh, again, I know nothing about him, so how about <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, um, Cole Sillinger is Mike Sillinger's son, for everybody who doesn't know. Um, one of the best releases in the draft. Um, just, like, incredible stuff. The puck just flies off his stick. He's good at the net front. He's consistently driving the inside of the ice. He is a nightmare to defend against. Um, manipulation, puck protection, physicality, like, all of it. He's just... Like, okay, you're all, like, you all watch the Leafs, or I know at least Ty does. Okay, <laughs> think about Zach Hyman. If Zach Hyman could score way oh, more. So the perfect player, yeah. essentially. <laughs> Literally. Right, he's Zach not Hyman as good of a hands. skater. Yeah. He, no, he's Zach Hyman with, like, a disgusting shot. Like, absolutely ridiculous. Um, his skating is not as good. Again, that can be improved, so I'm not super worried about that. And defensively, he's not great. But then again, like, what? There's not a, y- a lot of young players that are good defensively. So, like, to me, that doesn't really matter as much. That's something that you learn. Um, but, yeah, like, think about he is just a complete menace um, with and without the puck. And he can really shoot it like if he's in the offensive zone he's a threat to score so, so what's his biggest weakness and why is he ranked so low 
or not so low. He's in the top fifteen, but you know he's not. A top uh, 10 his pick skating and and he's a little bit too selfish right now, so he doesn't okay. really involve his teammates a ton, which leads to turnovers, uh, and that's not smart puck decision making. It's also selfish. So you could see why the hockey men would not like that. Yep. Um, <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that's that's a knock on him. Okay. Awesome. So next guy, Fyodor Sveshkov. Not sure how much uh, familiarity you have with him since he's over in Russia. Uh, do you have an- anything to say about him and the guy after him at number uh, number fourteen, Oscar Olison? Eliasson. Or do you want to skip Elias? Guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so I. Have some I to say about <laughs> yeah. So I've got some. Sveshkov's a really good two way player. Um, he's probably like he's either going to be second or third line center. Um, but he's going to go both ways. He's gonna, he'll provide some offense, but he is fantastic defensively. His skating's like average and inconsistent. That can be improved, but like his ability to make reads on pucks, um, his ability to anticipate what other guys are going to do, his puck support, his puck protection, his passing and playmaking. Like it's just his general awareness is especially in the defensive zone is unlike what we see in young players. And so for me, that's, that's really what excites me about him. Um, and he's definitely going to be a center. It's just a matter of whether he's a second line or a third line center. Um, he does nothing fantastic in terms of like skills. Like he's not a fantastic skater, not a fantastic shooter, not a fantastic puck handler, but he does like everything well. And when you add the fact that his awareness is unbelievable, that makes for a pretty good player. Um, Oscar Eliasson, um, if you watch the World Juniors, like he popped there. Um, he's a fantastic skater. It's beautiful to watch. It's There's not a muscle that overworks or underworks. Uh, his rush, he uses that to his his advantage he has really good rush patterns he doesn't always attack the middle doesn't always go to the outside he switches it up he uses crossovers linear crossovers to create lanes for himself and and do that deception his puck protection is fantastic um he's got pretty good off puck timing like he knows when to arrive when not to arrive that can be improved um the knock on him is that he's reactionary um so he doesn't make a ton of like great reads but he basically goes, oh, this is happening. And then like, he'll know what to do from there. So it's all about anticipation. And I don't know necessarily if, if you're confident that you can teach that. But to me, uh, that he's a pretty dynamic hockey player. He's, he's definitely going to be exciting. So it looks like those two guys in the, again, with the consolidation rankings that you guys have, they're falling as far as 30, it seems like, including on <laughs> okay, like that's Bob McKenzie's. Silly. Because Bob McKenzie, he surveys all the scouts and teams in the league right. to come up with his rankings, obviously. So he, the fact that he has them down all the way from 26 to 30 for both of them, I guess that's saying a lot about how much you guys value certain attributes versus the uh, 31 other or 32 as of now. I know, NHL I know teams that have Shvechkov, uh at six. Uh, okay. And I know teams that have Eliasson as high as nine. So, um, this is the thing with this year's draft. (laughs) Yeah. So this is the thing with this year's draft is because there aren't a ton of live viewings, especially in Canada, which is a massive problem because that's where like 50% of the players come from. There is so much discrepancy on the board. So like you'll see teams that have Owen power at one and you'll see teams that have Owen power at 
six. You'll see teams that have Luke Hughes at two and teams that have Luke Hughes as a do not draft. So like there, there's so much discrepancy, like Shvechkov and Eliason. There's teams that have them at six and nine. And then there's teams that have them at like 25 and 30. So like the, it's huge. And it all depends on like what you value and what you've seen and how much you trust your instincts. Like, that's it's tough. Okay. Nice. So at number 15, we got Zach Dean and 16, Francesco Pinelli. Yeah, I am a huge fan of Francesco Pinelli. Um, if you watch the Elite Prospects draft meeting video, you'll know I'm probably his biggest supporter. Um, we've got a like a deep dive coming on him pretty soon. Um, his awk off puck offense and space management playmaking and manipulations are all just like out of this world. Good. Like out of this world. Good. He can make D think he's going one way and then see you later. The puck is somewhere else. Um, the way he creates space for himself, the way he makes his teammates better because of the way he manipulates space. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. The knock on him is his skating and his pace. Um, I've had the luxury of being able to see him through the pandemic and he has improved his skating. It's definitely not where it needs to be. But then we saw him at the U18s and the U18s, one of the biggest concerns heading in was, could he play a role? And he definitively showed at the U18s that he absolutely could play that third line checking energy role. And I think that's huge from a versatility perspective. And I think he gained a ton of respect from a lot of scouts that doubted that if he wasn't going to be a skilled player, then he wasn't going to play at all. He showed, um, honestly, like when I think about it, he's the perfect Boston Bruin. Like the perfect Boston Bruin when it comes to that kind of stuff. So um, that's kind of, if you think about what a Boston Bruin is, that's Francesco Pinelli kind of situation there. I see. Okay. So uh, the next couple guys, I think the most interesting one would be talking about uh, I, who you guys have at number 20 because there seems to Ati be Rati. yeah it seems to be wide wide variations he was going as high as first overall a year ago some people are saying don't yeah. even draft him in the first round some people are saying don't even draft him in the second round um, you know what what's his okay, kind well, of situation right now <laughs> I mean to me he's still a first round pick um, and the people telling you don't draft him in the second round I'm not sure they know what they're doing um so, like, a guy doesn't go from being the consensus first overall pick to, like, not even a top 60 player. Like, that just, like, doesn't happen. Um, I think he was hurt by the fact that his team, like, Finland didn't take him to the World Juniors. Um, but that is more of an indictment on Finland, in my opinion, than it is on um, on Atu Ratu. Um, that he's would got be a fantastic... huge. That would be huge Pardon? negative for him. That would be a huge negative yeah. for him, not going to the World Juniors. Yeah, I thought it was a huge error, and Finland definitely showed that they uh, could have used him. Um, he shoots the puck extremely well. He plays on the inside well. He moved, When he doesn't have the puck, but his team has the puck, um, he's got great timing around the net. He attacks the pockets of space, kind of finds that quiet area. He plays off contact really well, can absorb it and kind of move. Um, his problem-solving... It's there in spurts, like it's inconsistent, but he shows that it's there. Um, and defensively, he's your typical Finn, right? He reloads, he fills the right lanes, takes away routes. He's an absolute motorboat on the forecheck. Um, just 
physical and engaging and causing all manner of issues. Um, but like from a weakness perspective, like he's not great on the rush. He gets tunnel vision. Um, like his skating is very like his stride is like very wide and he has a weird recovery. But again, that's fixable. Um, he attacks Part of the reason he turns the puck over is because he attacks players while he's gliding. So if they can, like, whoever gets him, if they can develop him so that he attacks while he's skating, I I think he's a pretty good middle six winger. And at 20, like, if you can get, if you can guarantee me a middle six winger, like, I'll take that. Yeah. Do you, uh, are there any teams that you think you'd be a really good fit on? Uh, Colorado. Um, yeah, I could see Colorado being a fit. I could see Edmonton being a fit. Um, I could see Toronto being a fit. I could see Florida being a fit. Um, yeah, those are, those are, so that's kind of, so that's kind of the top. Pittsburgh is another one. Pittsburgh. I mean, they develop everyone out of fucking nowhere. So they're, yeah. everyone's a good fit for them. Uh, so that was kind of the top 20 of the draft. And we're, I know we're coming up on an hour here and I don't want to take up too much more of your time. You know, you need to get some sleep after this long, long day. Um, so yeah. instead of breaking down individually, all the rest of the, you know, bottom 12 picks in the draft, why don't you pick a couple of guys you really want to talk about who you're passionate about? Maybe even, you know, the top, three or so guys that you know you think have can the highest can we just do just do one guy um this zachary zachary larue larue i have not seen him play so i can't okay. say craig, craig button <laughs> craig button um craig button has him at eight. Oh wow just definitely okay no okay so david is at elite prospects he's our quebec guy but he also does like russia like he's crossover david i've in my opinion should be hired by an nhl team he's a fantastic scout like if you said gun to your head like you got to pick a guy to cover quebec i would choose david because i think he's that good and my bar for scouting is pretty high um and david has rightfully pointed out um strengths and weaknesses in Zachary's game um I I'm happy to like I'll read David's stuff here because um I think it's really good so according to David Zachary LaRue's strengths are um he plays in the middle of the ice so he attacks between the dots wants to generate scoring chances he's physical so he cuts off defenders he's got a great motor he passes the puck really well he's a great problem solver and he shoots the puck in stride from a weaknesses perspective, uh, his skating's hunched over and wide. That's a problem. Um, he's forced to problem solve all the time because of the lack of skating. So it like kind of bleeds into other parts of the game, which is always a concern for me. And he doesn't protect the puck really well. Um, and I just, I think that if you're going to be a good passer, you're going to be a good um, creator. You need to be able to protect the puck in the NHL. And he's very north-south, so there's, like, very little manipulation that, that like, Eliason has, let's say. Um, and he handles the puck in front of his body as opposed to, like, on the side. So it's, like, very difficult for him to manipulate or um, protect it in any manner whatsoever. And so I, I would not take him in the top 15. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, um, do you have anything else? Yeah, a couple else? of guys. Yeah, so a couple of guys... Um, 
just from the OHL. Uh, Brennan Offman, we have him at 21. Um, Chase Stillman is another one that I'm super high on. Uh, and then there is a uh, Matthew Coronado. I think all three of those players are going to be NHL players. Um, Brennan Offman could play up and down your lineup. That guy is skilled. He can shoot the puck really well. He is also an ass. Like, hmm. he yeah. is the guy that at the U18s when Canada scored, so he picked off a puck and, at the blue line and fired it down to, I believe it was Shane Wright, and Shane Wright put it in. He skated to the guy he picked the puck off from and patted him on the head as like, thanks for passing <laughs> me the puck. That. Like, extreme <laughs> shithousery and that I am so here for. Um... <laughs> Again, like, perfect Boston Bruin. Like, just mm-hmm. your complete menace to society. Um, <laughs> but he's also, like, super talented. Um, Chase Stillman, I believe is Corey. Yeah, Corey Stillman's son. Um, responsible two-way center. He can create. He'll play the PK. He'll probably play second unit PP. That's a guy, last two minutes on the ice. You're putting him out there. You need energy. You're putting him out there. Like, you need someone to really tilt the game back into your favor in terms of getting momentum. That's the guy you put out there. So, for me, I think that that he is um, he's someone I'd look out for. And then there's, yeah, like the two U.S. guys. So, uh, Matthew Coronado and Mackie Samuskevich. Um, I think they're both just extremely talented. Um, Mackie's so skilled. Like, I've watched him probably three or four times. So like, I don't have a great read on him, but every time I watch him, like it's, he's that kind of player where I'm like, Whoa, what's going to happen now? Like there's just this element to him that is, is curious. It's like, Ooh, what is he going to do with the puck now? Right. And I like that about a player because I like to be excited. And I think he's a guy that is absolutely going to be an exciting hockey player. And, and if he develops well, I think you'll be a, like a, a top six player um, on any team that he plays on. And then there's Matthew Coronado, who's really uh, risen up the ranks. I mean, the work rate, like the motor is insane. Uh, he's strong on the puck. He sees passing lanes, whether it's offensively or then defensively, he'll cut them off. Um, he's got some shithousery to him as well. Um, to me, though, I think he's probably more like a third line center. Um, that could play up on the second line, like let's say you had an injury. Um, but yeah, like there's there's flashes of manipulation. There's there's good playmaking. You can tell he reads the game well. But then again, like the skating is a bit of an issue. Um, and like he doesn't have the best rush patterns, but that's also a product of the skating. But for me, those are a couple of guys that I would be excited about because those guys that I named. Um, Othman, Samuskevich, Coronado, Stillman, if they get into a team that has a really good development program, I think those are guys that could be candidates to like really pop, right? So we mm-hmm. see kind of like late round picks. So like a David Posternock, like he yeah. got into the Bruins development system and ba-boom, that was still like, bizarre. hello, right? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You think of, of some other late first round picks or like Holy heaven forbid Tampa Bay gets their hands on any of those players. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that'll happen, but like that's a problem because like they're able to develop. I think um, Minnesota will come around. I think Chicago um, 
could potentially come around on, on developing some of these players. And so um, those are guys that I would, I would look for um, to sort of go in the back half of the first round, maybe the early second round. And mm. um, I would not be surprised if they absolutely popped in the next couple of years. Awesome. Like those so, are guys okay, where so, it's like, Oh look, he's so, playing in the NCAA and he just put up a point per game. Like <laughs> one of those. Martin, were you about to say something? Yeah, so I have uh, I have one final question. Um, if if as an Ottawa fan, we're going to be a little biased towards Ottawa. Uh, if you have if you had to pick at ten, who do you think would be there, and who do you think would be the best option that is there? Um, it's no like- it's hard to say because of like the whole like everybody's board is different. I think there's yeah, an outside but who chance. Who would you have that- at ten? Who would I have at ten? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, f- fuck if he's there, Kent Johnson. Like that's a <laughs> you you like. Think I twice knew about knew you're gonna say. That. Put it this way: if <laughs> okay. any, if any of Kent Johnson, Brant Clark, Mason McTavish, or um, Jesper Wallstead get there, I, I them. Like if any of those yes. four get there, you gotta take whichever one of those four gets there. Okay, because so like those are all that, top, they will be the best are, player available. Those are all top ten guys. In yeah, and I somehow uh, think that someone's gonna galaxy brain this, and someone's gonna fall to Ottawa. There's always someone and that then, falls, and then Pierre always Maguire someone. is gonna yes. be like, actually, no, we're not taking him <laughs> because grit and heart and whatever the <laughs> fuck else he wants to wax poetic about. Like you, I'm telling you, like, do not be surprised if like one of those four players I just named is on the board, and they're like, actually, we're taking Chad Lucius. <laughs> like, Whatever U.S. player that played with J- Jake Sanderson this year, that's Bingo. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, I think Chad Lucius could be a goal scorer, but like, he doesn't really do anything else. So, mm. like, to me, if any of those four players get there and Ottawa doesn't take them, I would be. Furious. Just like last year, I told <laughs> Buffalo fans that they should be absolutely fuming that not only Mark. did Buffalo not take the best player available, they didn't even take the best Ottawa 67 available. <laughs> like that's difficult to accomplish. That <laughs> was very right. It was a very impressive amount of like just complete <laughs> shit disturbing on their part. <laughs> yeah. Like, so to me, like if any of those four players are available. Um, you take whichever one of the four are available, and I'd yeah. be happy okay. with any one of them. All right, so some quick hits before we let you go. Just quick questions on uh, a couple of things. So these are all just going to be like prediction-based questions. You're not going to get these right most likely, or maybe you will. Maybe, you know, maybe you can see the future. So who do you think are going top three in this draft to Buffalo, Seattle, Anaheim? And that's the first question. Uh, Owen Power. William Eklund, Matt Beneers. Love it. Okay. And then now who ends up being the best defenseman out of this draft? Brant Clark. Best forward out of this draft? (sighs) William Eklund. Oh, okay. I like it. Uh, Who do you think is going to be the biggest steal in the draft or biggest deal in the first round, let's say to make that a little bit easier for you. Um, Kent Johnson. Okay. 
And uh, I think that was it. You guys have any other questions before we let Rachel go off to sleep? <laughs> no? Okay, no, awesome. Good, all right, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and teaching us literally about every single one of these guys because none of us know anything. <laughs> um, we'll definitely try to have you on again next year for the draft or maybe before that or maybe after the draft. We'll see what your availability looks like since I know you're a, a little bit busy. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about with this draft that you're very passionate about before you leave? <laughs> I would just say, like, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Like you can draft a fantastic hockey player and nothing and nothing will come of it because you have a terrible development program. But at the same time, you can also draft Igor Chinahov and Shakir Mukhamadoulin in the first round and leave a great amount of talent on the board. So like either way could happen in order to have success, you need to have good scouting and good development. And if one is missing, mm-hmm you're probably screwed. So that's what I would say is so don't we're leaving off on an don't optimistic have a parade. note. <laughs> yeah. Don't have a parade just yet. Yeah. So basically every fan ever, your prospects aren't as good as you think they are. They're most likely not going to work out because that's just the reality of it. Don't get too excited about them. Let's end this off on a really depressing note. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel, so much for joining us. Um, Thank you for not making fun of Ty. Um, I'm sure Ty appreciates it. I don't, and Martin doesn't either. We I, wanted I some more I shit talking on Ty. Anything, I mean, yeah, every that, time, that's every time we have a guest, Eric, it's just Eric talking, so <laughs> I, I didn't want to Well, Ty, Ty usually you have more takes, but it doesn't seem like you paid attention Man, to this draft enough to really. The four of us should do like a take podcast. <laughs> like all three of you just like say your takes and I'll just be like yes or no and here's okay. why. Rachel just shits on. Yeah. That, and then we just rip great. in the tie. Yes. Because that's no, when we would rip in no, the we're, tie. No, we're planning this 100%. Okay. Uh, Rachel, I'm, I'm going to so figure in. out like, a date you with you. You just come up with your takes and I will be like yes or no and this is why. Yo, guys, we have to oh, do this. Sure. I'm actually okay. really excited. Awesome. This would be a really great episode. I think, and then we'd be able to clip like every single one of them. <laughs> yes, great content, great content, for the great hashtag content. Okay, awesome, Rachel. Thank you so much Thank for uh, joining us. Thank, you, Thank you for taking the time. I really, I really, actually, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning into this week's episode of Talking Hockey. You can follow us and stream us on Spotify and Apple and anywhere else that podcasts are available. Please leave a rating and review on Apple as it does a lot for the podcast and share our podcast with your friends. You can follow us on Instagram at Talking Hockey and you can also find us on Twitter, which will be linked in the description below. Thank you everyone for tuning in and I look forward to uh, next week's episode.